Hey, pod people. Welcome, welcome. This is Historical AF. My name is Natalie. And I'm Kina. We are a librarian and a historian bringing you the funny, spooky, weird, and morbid historical nuggets you never knew you needed in your ear holes. Yep, and then those holes is coming. Curse. Send you curses. This is episode 81. Yeah, cursed. I've been saying that all day because I knew this was happening. So he's like, please stop. I'm like, no, you're cursed. But I'm way too much fun. <laughs> and I also wildly interpreted the assignment. So it's fine. It's whatever. Mine yeah. historical this time, more like, I don't know, instead of like, this happened only 10 years ago, like, which is still history, but it doesn't feel like it. But <laughs> mine are actually like old as shit. So I'm like, okay. Oh, know? that's cool. So, how is your week of isolation and working at home? Still, it's getting better. I know last chat we had was, I was upset about micromanaging. And they aren't doing it as bad as I thought it would be. So, they or they've relaxed a little bit. Oh, good. Because they wanted approval of every single thing. And I'm like, this this is crazy because we are a large amount of people. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And approval from four. And I'm like, how are you going to approve all of this? But it was an easier process and than I thought. But I am excited. I've gotten some positive feedback on some of my online content. Like on the CALS page, I am teaching uh, sign language lessons. So every Tuesday, look for a video if you want to learn a little, little bit of sign language. And... Thursdays are art day, so I'm posting a little art classes and art videos on our Facebook page. Oh, I love it. Flyers and other junk, but that's like the main things I'm like actually like recording. Mm-hmm. It seems like your uh, movie night went really well too. I saw people commenting and saying that was a great idea. We had a few. We had a few comment. Actually, like join the discussion on the page. My mom was super supportive and nerdy about it, and uh, but it was cute. And I did get a lot of positive feedback. And so I took this Friday off. and But next Friday, we will do another movie night. And it will be Princess and the Frog. Yay! Because mm-hmm. it's on Netflix and Disney+. Plus. So I'm like, well, that's cool in case one person yeah. or another. So. Yeah, that's good. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, and I found out a lot of things about Hook that I didn't know. Oh, yeah. yeah I was reading the trivia. And I was like, well, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it I knew. Like I knew Glenn Close was one of the pirates in there, and and I I, I found that out like years ago. But I would never have po- figured that out on my own. That that was yeah. a, that David Bowie was going to be Hook. That surprised me too. I didn't, oh, I didn't know that. And Michael Jackson was considered for Peter Pan. Was for Rob Williams' part. Oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah. I think this was before all of the junk. Came out, but yeah, Michael Jackson had like Peter Pan obsession, you know. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. The movie coming out, he's like, "Oh, I really want to be a part of this." Like he, he was the one that really was like, "Put me in this." And Spielberg was like, "You know, this is a serious role. Like, especially in the beginning, you have to be a hard ass lawyer." Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think you can play that. And then they went with Robin Williams. <laughs> oh man, I miss Robin Williams too. And what the Lost Lost Boys look like now, that was crazy to see. And the fact that the guy that plays Rufio got really close to Robin Williams. And now, like, he loved poetry and Dead Poet Society. So during the making of that, they talked about it a lot. And then um, now he started his own poetry lounge in L.A. And, like, it's one of the biggest places of the nation for poetry and stuff. Oh, cool. And he even made a prequel for his character, like a 20-minute film, a prequel for Rufio, like how he became a lost boy. I haven't seen it, but I want to now. Aw. Me too. How about you? I'm good. I. It's just weird. It's weird having Zeke home. It's weird (laughs) having everything in lockdown. It's weird. I don't know. It's just a weird feeling. I think this is the first week where I'm like, man, this shit's getting real. <laughs> but staying busy, still trying to work on this bed and breakfast, which is probably like the worst time to be trying to buy a business. But on the plus side, interest rates, rates are dropping. So, so it actually might be 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So still working on that. Just working on podcast stuff. Yeah, we've been going for walks every day. I'm trying to, trying to, you know, not get too stir crazy. Yeah, I can't think of anything else interesting. I'm so boring. I, I literally, my life hasn't changed much since I <laughs> worked at home, and I already did every. I always had like a schedule of what I do anyway, so that's it's been basically the same. Just now, I can't like go to the store because there's like armed guards and shit. It's weird here. Too, really? Yeah, they have armed guards at the entrance and exit, and then they. Can, like keep people from going in so there's like a certain number inside it's weird i heard we went on lockdown today like we're on a we have a stay-at-home order now i guess i don't know what that means i guess people aren't listening i don't know every yeah. time i drive by that i'll just go for a drive just to get out of the house and i'll get out but there's still people at the park playing basketball and on the slide and stuff and i'm like that's that's dirty <laughs> <laughs> man it's wild so uh, I'm glad that we have the podcast because it is a distraction. And I hope that we are helping distract you guys because I know I can't read the news anymore because I was getting too, like, anxious, I guess. It just makes me sad. Although I was, like, blubbering. They have this thing called Feel Good News on YouTube. And they just pull, like, the best of people right now. And it's John Krasinski from The Office. And it was, yeah. like, all the videos like, People standing outside clapping as like a nurse get ready for work, and then like the towns, everybody's on their balconies cheering the, you know, the switch of, uh, what are they called? Oh, oh, I'm, oh man, this is this is if this is how the whole day is gonna go, it's gonna be great. <laughs> Where they switch from day to night shift, the shift change. Jesus Christ, Gina. I was like, yeah. you'll get this. <laughs> there eventually yeah but like everybody oh it's just so sad i mean it's happy but it just makes me like man maybe appreciating people Mm, also just like a psa be nice to like your delivery people jesus i saw somebody that i know that works at starbucks said that somebody spit on her because they were pissed that like nurses are getting free coffee and they wouldn't give it to her because she works retail or something i was like are you, are you kidding me no <laughs> and the other day we ordered pizza and i wrote them we have these cards we sent out to the patreon and i like wrote like thank you and you, you know i appreciate your essentialness blah 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 something really like lame you know just like thank you for delivering because they're doing no contact delivery so you can't talk mm-hmm. and uh so i did that and then zeke put out like a big red because he's like it's the texas drink and then like a bottle of water or something. I think I threw in like a podcast sticker because I'm a dork. And then he called me almost in tears. Like his voice was cracking. He was like, thank you so much for the letter and the drinks. He's like, I've had the worst day. And I was like, holy Aww. crap. I'm like, why are people being mean to your delivery people? I didn't think so- my neighbors might would take it. I would maybe do something <laughs> horrible intent. I like, I think a kid would grab it before. Oh yeah. They'd be like, woo, free stuff. Because they're like seven. So that's yeah. why I'm like, they would take it. <laughs> Speaking of neighbor kids, earlier uh, the neighbor kids were doing that Elsa like siren song, like oh. call thing. So I went out there and I did it, and then I heard them go Elsa, and now they've done it for like twelve hours. And I was like, "What have I done?" <laughs> so they're still doing it. I can hear it, but it's like two of them just screaming it now, and I'm like, oh, "I'm so sorry." <laughs> Their parents must be so mad. Um, it was like my first TikTok. I was like, "Oh man, look at me go." In my 30s on TikTok. I thought it was really cute. That's really funny. I like it. Oh, yeah. Gotta have a little joy in my life, I guess. All right. You want to roll? Sure. I don't even know where to start with this bad boy. I have fun with this one. I don't know. I really like mine. I learned some things. Morbid. That's you. It is me. Rip off the band-aid. <laughs> Actually, that's probably smart. We should just always... I don't know if we should always start with Morbid. <laughs> it should be one of the first two. Yeah. Never get it over with. I was about to say, none of mine are bad. I'm like, no, literally all mine are murder. Like some sort of tragic death. But I'm like. Well, it's a curse. Like It's a curse. You can't really. All right. So, yes, this article, um, do not copy and paste the link and send it to your friends in Facebook because they will block it. <laughs> I found that out the hard way. This is from the website of the Occult Museum. Oh, I like that one. I like. I mean, I'm not 
that I like a cult, but I get a lot of information from them. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, this seems legit. And I checked around. I'm like, it is legit. So there we go. So the title of the article is Five Legendary True Life Curses and the People They've Killed. Ooh. First one's up, the Hope Diamond. You know, I vaguely have heard something about that, but I don't know. I don't know how to it. It sounded so familiar. And I, mm-hmm. I have so the priceless 115, ooh, carat blue Hope Diamond was allegedly stolen from the eye of a Hindu idol in India by French merchant Jean-Baptiste Tevenier. Considered to be the most famous diamond in the world, it's legendary not only for its huge size and value, but also for its deadly curse. Whoa. It's bad luck and death will visit whoever owns it or touches the diamond. So I feel like I'm pretty safe there because, you know, I'm poor. Sure. <laughs> no circumstances would we ever be anywhere near a diamond that big. So I think we're safe. Yeah, check. <laughs> Appropriately, the curse struck uh, Jean Baptiste first and struck him first. Legend claims he was mauled to death as a punishment for stealing the sacred stone. Other victims of the diamond's curse are said to be King Louis the Sixteenth of France and his wife Marie Antoinette, who owned the whole diamond. So that might be actually how you know about it, Kina. That's probably it. Yeah. Did not go well for them. It did not. <laughs> so they owned it up for a time before being beheaded during the French Revolution. And Lord Francis Hope, who it was actually named after, inherited the diamond before squandering his large fortune and dying penniless and in destitute. The stone was then stolen by Evelyn Walsh McLean. In 1912, after her son was killed in a car crash, her daughter killed herself. Uh, she ended the last of her days in a lunatic asylum. Whoa. This is morbid, y'all. Remember? Wow, and she stole it? <laughs> yeah. Brought it upon herself, I guess. Oh, man. She like a cat burglar? That'd be cool. That's what I'm envisioning. Some like Mission Impossible. That's cool, but then like, hello, it's a curse. Like, <laughs> That'd be my luck. In 1958, the diamond was donated to the Smithsonian National Museum of Natural History in Washington. And since arriving at its new home, the curse appears to now be inactive. So, so much for according to a curator. Nothing but good luck to the museum ever since. But who knows? I guess if an individual owned it, it might be. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it just wants to be on display where people can like look at it. Mm-hmm. It's like you should have stole me from that freaking eyeball. Mm-hmm. I still I think that if I was the curator that had to like clean it, I would still be like, mm, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to touch it. I want to go to the Smithsonian so bad. We'd love to go. Uh, next is the silver Bosno vase. Hmm. The curse of the 15th century silver Rossano vase is said to have started with a young Italian bride on her wedding night who mysteriously died clutching the vase to her chest. Despite rumors that the silverware was now haunted by its deceased owner, it was handed down the family as each new owner died a mysterious and sudden death. Oh, God. Finally, convinced the vase was cursed, it was hidden away where it remained for many years until it was recovered in 1988. Ooh, that's cool. Inside the vase was a single note which read, Beware, the vase brings death. Whoa. Mm. You know, in the past, I've said I'm just mad that my family doesn't have some, like, really fancy heirloom that they've passed down. But maybe it's a good thing because it could kill you. Heedless of the grave warning, the new owner threw the note away. Like you oh. do. <laughs> Don't do that. Have you not seen a single scary movie ever? Well, it gets better because they sold it in an auction. Oh, my God. (laughs) The pharmacist who purchased it died unexpectedly not long after he acquired it. And with that, the deadly curse had struck again. Oh, my God. It would strike twice more before the final owner's bereaved family concluded the vase had to be destroyed. Whoa. Did you say read? No. Oh. Bereaved or... Oh. 
Oh, bereaved. I thought you said Reed family. I'm like, I have the Reed family. I know. <laughs> I'm like, wish it did say that just so I could see what would happen. I'm like, Mom, why haven't you told me? Oh, sorry. Destroyed it. <laughs> so the story goes that when the family threw the vase out a window, it was picked up by a passing policeman. When the officer tried to return the vase to the family, they refused it. Uh, they refused to have it back in their home. It's claimed that the police decided to bury the vase with it and with it the curse in an undisclosed location. So it's still out there somewhere. Well, good on them for actually believing in the curse. I mean, most of the time, police tend to be more logical and they'd probably be like, no, it's not cursed. Well, I guess in this case, it was like, just in case. (laughs) That's how I feel I would be. Like, I don't necessarily believe in curses, but I'm not going to fuck with one. (laughs) It's like demons. I don't necessarily (laughs) believe in them, but I'm not going to be summoning one. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like, have they never watched TV or like a movie? Uh, Next up is the Crying Boy Paintings. I think I've heard of that one, too. I say, yeah, these are more of the more famous side versus. (laughs) I mean, it's a hard, hard no on any painting that cries right off the bat. (laughs) You don't even got to tell me anything. I'm already like, nope. I know there's a picture of this little boy and and there's just fat tears rolling out of his face. I'm like, why would you want this? So after the end of the Second World War, artist Bruno Amadio began to paint portraits of Italian orphans crying as souvenirs for tourists. Because that's what it's tourists want. What? Um, what? Over, time, <laughs> over time, the mass-produced prints of his paintings became increasingly popular. Why? Oh. Um, particular in England. And that is until the 1980s when people began to say that the prints were cursed. The Sun newspaper reported that in over 50 house fires, the crime boy prints were the only item to survive the flames. Oh, no. In one case, firefighters found a print still in its frame, face down on the floor, completely untouched by the the fire that had destroyed the rest of the house. Sounds Mm -mm. strange. Well, according to numerous psychics, the prints are haunted by the orphans who died in the war. Their misery and despair continuing to haunt the paintings long after their deaths. Mm, I mean, one house burned down and it survived. Okay. But like, a lot of houses burning down and that's one that survived. That's not a coincidence. That's not a coincidence. That's a demon. (laughs) All right. Next up is the Curse of Otzi. I'm oh. probably pronouncing it, but we're saying it that way. We're Just right. roll with it. Yep. That's what we're doing. We're rolling with it. So don't be offended. <laughs> <laughs> the, in 1991, the frozen mummified body of Otzi, the Iceman, was discovered in the Alps on the Australian-Italian border. Or Austrian, not Austrian, not Australian. Austrian-Italian border. Scientists determined the Bronze Age man to have died in 5,300 years ago. Wow. That's quite old. And he looks gross. There's a picture of him. He looks gross. <laughs> Y'all really probably don't actually see. So, making the body the oldest known natural human mummy ever to be found in Europe, surrounding the excitement of the discovery, something darker began to manifest. And people began to say that... Disturbing the body was would unleash a curse, basically. And a curse had been unleashed on all those involved in its discovery. Discovery, recovery, and examination of his remains. And all seven deaths have been said to be linked with his body. Wow. That sucks. You know, you're just working in a lab somewhere, minding your own damn business, and somebody brings you a cursed mummy, and then you're dead. Yeah, it's pretty much... There's no, there's no winning here. No. The last one I'm going to talk about is King Tutankhamun's curse. Ooh. Of all the curses we've explored, King Tut's tomb has to be probably the most famous. And I agree with that. It's probably definitely one of the top. In 1923, archaeologist Howard Carter and his sponsor, Lord Carnivon, opened the burial chamber of the ancient Egyptian boy, King Tut, 
and the tomb hidden in the valley of the kings in Egypt and had been left untouched and packed with the treasures. Yet while the world marveled at the astounding archaeological find, some entered the tomb with some trepidation. It's rumored that a message inscribed into the burial chamber, it read that death shall come on swift wings to him who disturbs the peace of the king. Mm. Cool. And like, I would want that on my gravestone. Right. (laughs) Take note, put in a will. (laughs) Yep. And soon death did indeed visit those who had opened the tomb in the legend of King Tutankhamun's curse began. Uh, It started with the Lord when he died six weeks after opening King Tut's tomb. It said that at the exact moment of his death, all the lights in Cairo went out. Oh. And Carnivon's dog, which was back in England at the time, howled loudly before dropping down dead. So, <gasps> no! <laughs> Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, famous for his Sherlock Holmes novels, uh, publicly suggested that his death was caused by mysterious forces guarding the pharaoh's body. By 1929, 11 people closely connected with the discovery of the tomb had died prematurely of unnatural causes. They included two of Carnivon's, like two of his relatives, along with Howard Carr's personal secretary, Richard Bethel, who was found dead in his bed in London. Bethel's death drove his father, Lord Westbury, to commit suicide by jumping off the building. Oh, no. The press were quick to catch on to the connection with King Tut, and basically that put more into the curse. And people visiting the golden mask of Tutankhamun or Tutankhamun common were warned not to look into his eyes, lest the curse strike them down too. Wow. Okay. Hear me out. Okay. This year is uh-huh. the first time his body has ever been moved. Oh, because they moved him out of his tomb. To it's 2020. Yes. All right. Yeah. And this now, and now look out. what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> this global <laughs> pandemic is his fault. Put him back. <laughs> Just leave him alone. Just put him back. Because they just left him in there and they put like glass around him. So when you visit him, you have to go into the tomb and then see him. They pulled him out to do like it. But they, I don't know why they pulled him out. Because they've done all the x-rays. They brought everything in the tomb. So I don't remember what they're doing with it. But Like his mask has traveled, but the body's never been moved. Yeah, it seems more it's emphasis on the body. But... I don't know. know, I think the mask came here when I was a kid and I was so pissed off that I didn't get to see it because it came to the (laughs) Memphis pyramid and Mm -hmm. before it was a Bass Pro and (laughs) and I was, oh, I wanted to go so bad, but something happened and I couldn't see it. But I was a kid, so I probably would have looked in its eyes like a dumbass and no telling what would have happened. I would have too. Most definitely. God, yeah. This is this has to be a curse happening right now. <laughs> Put it back, whatever it is. <laughs> there was also a meme, I think, I think in Patreon somebody posted and they found some black sarcophagus in Egypt and kind of like the mummy movie where it's like, do not disturb me. <laughs> so what do we want next? Do we want funny, random, or spooky? Random? Cool. I'm really excited about that one. (laughs) Uh, So, a quick reminder for our randoms, our Patreon that are uh, brilliant AF and above, get to pick our word. So, this time, Carrie picked, but her husband picked. And I think they picked it to throw me off because I know them. And they probably thought they were being super smart. And they gave me jet ski. But I think I nailed it. Okay. At first, I was like, oh, man, what am I going to do with a jet ski? And then I found a cursed jet ski. <laughs> so here we go. Oh, my God. That's so funny. <laughs> you know, it has that document recovery thing. I never close anything. I'm like, I don't want to delete it because I don't know what's in there. Okay. So, well, I guess more specifically, I'm going to do haunted vehicles. So the first one. This is a new story from the Kansas City Star on July 17, 2018. A woman was thrown 30 feet in the air after a cursed jet ski explodes on a Missouri lake. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, cruises are fun. Ah, before or before a day on the lake, Christina Parker bet her daughter, her daughter, her father, a hundred dollars that the family's troublesome jet ski wouldn't start. They had bought it, and then at the beginning of the summer, and they had taken it twice out before, and one time it overheated, the other time it flipped, and then another time it like blew out, and then the last time they took it out, it ran out of gas. So then July 8 rolls around. Parker and her father try taking the jet ski out again on Lake of the Ozarks. I've been there. And it says, quote, my dad and I were launching our PWC at Kaufman Beach. He was in the car backing up the trailer and I was on the jet ski. Parker told friends and family on Facebook, quote, as soon as I hit the start button on it, it exploded. I was thrown decently far and my dad found me face down in the water, unconscious, covered in blood. Yikes. A nurse who happened to be on the boat ramp, that's some good luck right there, later, uh, later told Parker in her hospital bed that the explosion threw her 30 feet in the air. After her father took her to urgent care, which I would imagine you would take her to a hospital first, they were sent to a hospital from there, and she remained until July 14th. She says she's thankful that it didn't turn out worse than what it was, but then she asked her dad for that $100, and he gave it to her because she won the bet. It did not start. It blew up. Oh. <laughs> Happy ending, I guess. <laughs> They're going to get way darker from here. Okay. So everybody that's been through a history class knows that World War I was started when Archduke Franz Ferdinand and his wife were shot by a Bosnian anarchist, right? The crazy thing is, is that Ferdinand was already avoiding an attempt earlier in that day, which we talked about in the last mini, I think, that the guy yeah. botched it and then he tried to kill himself with the pill and then it didn't work either. Before they had the attempt, they were supposed to be paraded through Sarajevo and they got kind of detoured after that. And they were going to go to the hospital to see everybody that got injured. And they stopped in front of a cafe. And it just so happened that another one of the would-be assassins just happened to be walking out of that cafe and saw them. And then shot Archduke and his wife in their head and throats. Can you imagine? He'd be like, man, lucky day. And the other guy's like, oh, worst day ever. I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> So, throughout the war and into the 1920s, the limo that they were in at the time was owned by 15 different people, and it was involved in six accidents and 13 deaths, not counting the 17 million or so that were killed by the war that was triggered by that assassination. The first person to own the car after the Archduke was Austrian general named, oh lord, Potorek, who went went insane while riding in the car through Vienna. It took four car accidents and the loss of an arm to convince his next owner, a governor of Yugoslavia, that the car was bad luck. He then sold it to a surgeon friend who died six months later in a crash. Next, a captain in the German army died while trying to avoid two pedestrians, and then all three of them died. Car accidents and suicides would go on to claim several more lives until 1926 when they put it in the War History Museum of Vienna. That's a lot of people. It is, actually. Man. The next one is a 1964 Dodge 330, a.k.a. the most evil car in America. I don't know cars. I don't know if that's an impressive model or not. But the Golden Eagle is actually a classic. It's a limited edition originally purchased by the police department in the old Orchard Beach, Maine, with the purpose of being used as a patrol car. Legend has it that for whatever reason, the car turned murderous almost immediately because all three cops who drove it ended up dead. In addition to being cursed and evil, the car was also quite a mastermind because it went to great lengths to throw people off its trace. Not one of the offers died inside of the car. In fact, all three died in murder suicides in their respective homes. Like, what are the chances? I feel like your segment is more morbid than mine. <laughs> Probably. It all started with a jet ski. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks. (laughs) After this, the car came into the Allen family. Wendy Allen is still the owner of it, though she keeps it hiding in hiding because religious groups keep on targeting it, Um, which I found in a lot of these cars. Religious groups keep on trying to exercise the cars. I don't think that's going to really help, but you do you, I guess. While with the Allens, the Eagle was relatively peaceful. It would still open its doors while flying down the highway. That doesn't sound peaceful. (laughs) But then they add, it never hurt anybody. But then it would unleash hell on anybody else who touched it. Throughout the 80s and 90s, several deaths were linked to the Golden Eagle. 
One man was decapitated by an 18-wheeler. Two teens were hit by cars and then thrown onto the Eagle, where they died. And another was hit by lightning, all because they all tried to deface the car. Like, vandalize it. In total, 14 people are believed to have died because they came into contact with this car. Wow. At the same time, various religious groups targeted the car and would occasionally vandalize it. And they would try to get rid of the demons inside it. At the end of the 90s, the car disappeared. Another religious group took it and tore it apart piece by piece, sending the parts to various junkyards. This is the best way they could think of from keeping it from murdering again. As any other car owner would do, Wendy set out to find all the pieces of her beloved car. Don't do that, Wendy. Your car's (laughs) murdering bitches, and you're like, I want it back. So she actually took pride in owning her haunted car, and she tried to find all the pieces. She also claims to be a witch. She calls herself Reverend Elcat and the, quote, one and only sea witch of the old Orchard Beach. So (laughs) she sounds great. (laughs) And she said she wasn't about to let herself be scared by the fact that her car seemed to bring death to whoever it touched. She managed to raise funds. People gave her money and tracked down all the pieces of the eagle and she put it back together. She's been keeping it safe and hiding it ever since. But she maintains that her car is not a killer. But it's haunted. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just so crazy. This one's probably the craziest one and probably the most well known one, I think. Scariest car story out there is the story of James Dean's little bastard. Oh, uh, yeah. This one I definitely know. Is cool. a, a, Porsche, yeah, a Porsche 550 in which the ticket was eternally punched on September 30th, 1955. It leaves behind a trail of wreckage much longer than the death of Dean himself. The story begins on September 23rd, 1955, just a week before Dean's fatal crash. He had purchased the Porsche, Porsche, Porsche Spider and brought it to a customer and legendary film flammer, George Barris, to have it personalized. Chose the number 130 emblazoned on the hood and the name Little Bastard painted just under the Porsche emblem on the engine cover. On September 23rd, 1955, while driving the car around L.A., he met up with British actor Alec Guinness outside a restaurant, and he showed the deeply superstitious Guinness his new Porsche. He wrote in some unpublished diaries and letters that, quote, the sports car looks sinister to me, exhausted, hungry, feeling a little ill-tempered in spite of Dean's kindness. I heard myself saying a voice I could hardly recognize as my own, saying, please never get in it. If you get in that car, you will be dead this time next week. So his friend warned him, and he just laughed. Exactly seven days later, at approximately 5.30 p.m., with the sun falling behind the nearby hills, Dean was speeding along Highway 466 on the outskirts of a small, dusty town of Shalom. When a 1950 black-and-white Ford Tudor coupe was heading in the opposite direction, began to make a left-hand turn across his lane, Dean saw the car and, quote, said, that guy's got to stop, he'll see us, end quote. Due to the low light of the dusk, though, the driver didn't see the car until the very last moment, which I'd read some other stuff that said that the car was so small and like the color, it was really hard to see with some had low visibility or something. And uh, so she didn't see it and they hit the driver's side of Dean's Porsche slammed into the front of the Ford, catapulting the lightweight car's racer 50 feet into the air before landing in a shallow gully. He had a friend with him who had not been wearing a seatbelt, and he was flung from the car and badly suffered injuries like a broken jaw, shattered leg, and had some other internal injuries. The driver of the other car was pretty much unscathed, though pretty dazed and in shock, but Dean wasn't so lucky. His side of the car suffered the brunt of the accident, and upon impact, his head struck the steering wheel and then snapped back so violently that he was nearly decapitated. Trapped in the crumpled car, the most iconic actor of his generation died from a broken neck, multiple fractures of the upper and lower jaw, a severe head trauma, I mean, yeah, and a massive amount of internal bleeding. Dean was pronounced dead on arrival at 6.20 p.m. at a nearby hospital. He was only 24 years old. And, like, I saw some other stuff that added that he had had four tickets in, like, a week already with this car, and they told him, Right before he got in, like, hey, there's cops everywhere. Don't speed. And he's like, got it. He was speeding. So it's really sad. Probably that whole I'm young and invincible thing. 
In the years that followed, a verified rash of mysterious and terrible accidents have surrounded this car and gave rise to the legend that it was the curse of the little bastard. <laughs> I just kind of like the name. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm laughing about it. <laughs> Immediately after Dean's accident, the insurance company that covered the car adjusted it as a total loss. George Barris purchased the car from the insurance company for $2,500 with the intention of parting it out. When the car was delivered to his shop, it slipped off his trailer and broke both the mechanic's legs when it landed on him. So, victim one. Crushed <laughs> legs. Good start. Or victim two. Dean was one. Subsequent to this, Bear sold Little Bastard's engine to Dr. Troy McHenry for the use in his Lotus, and then the transaxle to Dr. William Eschred for the use of his custom race car. Both doctors entered their cars fitted with these parts into the race at Panoma Fairgrounds on October 24, 1956. During the event, McHenry's car spun and hit a tree, killing him instantly, and then Eschred's car rolled several times, taking well, after taking a curve, leaving him with serious injuries, but he did live. And then later he stated that the car just completely locked up for no reason. So that's a little scary. Okay, great. <laughs> a few months later, two of Little Bastard's surviving tires that Barris had sold to a young New Yorker simultaneously blew out on the highway, both at the same time. And the man's vehicle flew into a ditch. Barris examined the two tires' carcasses. That's a fun way to put a tire word after the incident <laughs> and couldn't establish a cause for the sudden flight failures. They just blew up for no reason. That's terrifying. I, I, I think about that sometimes when I'm like doing 80 in Texas, I'm like, Oh, I hope I don't have a blowout. That would really suck. Oh but yeah. Two at the same time. No. Yeah. Every time, especially when I was in my old car, like I used to have a Jeep, uh, in 96, Jeep before my Prius, and every time I would see a car stranded, especially on the freeway or something, I'm like, as soon as I pass, I'm like, please don't let mine be next. Please don't let mine. <laughs> I don't want that to be me. Uh, well, it kind of did happen on my way to interview at the library. I had a double blowout, and uh, that sucked. But we were going through constructions, and I, I think that we got nails in both of them. Probably. But I, I called my friend. I was like, come get me. And she drove me to my interview. Uh, I was only a minute late. Because oh. I am obsessive about leaving early for everything. So I am about interviews. like, <laughs> But I am for interviews. Because I want to try to at least pretend like I have a good. I'm actually not too much of a late person. Well, it's funny. Because at the time, they were so impressed that I called. Because as soon as the blowout happened, I called Mary. And I was like, I'm coming. I swear I'm going to get a ride. I'm sorry. My car blew up, whatever. And then I got there and the person that drove me just kind of like hung out and sat in the talk to Delphine, actually. Fun times. So soon after that, two instances occurred where vandals that were trying to steal parts of the car were involved in an accident. The first involved a young man who was attempting to steal the steering wheel that, you know, uh, Dean died on. Oh, that's so he received I, a fi- <laughs> I know, right? I mean, I think people have this sick, morbid fascination with things that have to do with, like, celebrity deaths. Because there's a few museums. Like, Zach Bagan's museum has, like, clothes people are wearing when they died. And, like, things in the room when people died. I don't know. Some weird. I don't need that. Me either. Bad juju. So he was trying to steal that, and then he received a giant gash on his arm, and it went all the way down to the bone. And then the second thief was trying to steal the blood-stained driver's seat and uh, was seriously hurt as well. Why? Why, 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 why? I don't understand. In 1958, interest in Dean remained high among teens. Uh, as such, California Highway Patrol actually convinced Bears to loan them the car for a traveling exhibition as like a don't drive too fast. This could happen to you kind of thing. If they would travel to schools, I don't know if anybody mm-hmm. else at school did the prom drunk driving thing where they had cars show up. So they did that. And little bastard was transported North by a flatbed truck while near Salinas, the truck transporting it was involved in a serious accident that saw the driver, George Barkus ejected from the cab though injured. He initially survived. As if right on the murderous cue, though, Dean's Porsche suddenly rolled off the flatbed and landed on him and then crushed him to death. So he survived the accident, 
thrown from the truck, and then it still crushed him. It seems made up, honestly. Like it does, yeah. <laughs> or, like exaggerated, maybe. Yeah, it's, how big of a fish did you catch? Like how right? Many- I know. I looked at like ten different sites, and they all said the same thing. I'm like, either everybody's lying, or man, this just sounds crazy. I do think it's a good point that it seems like these collecting objects, though, are like modern relics to maybe what have been. Yeah, that is a really um, good point. Thank you for for that too. That's true. I mean, you see that like Bonnie and Clyde, people were ripping off their clothes and like cutting their hair and shit. And uh-huh. I just, I don't know. Mm. It's like we have to either make it funny or we have to collect it. It's just like this weird yeah. obsession. Humans are weird. Yeah, we fucked up. <laughs> A few months later, while in between exhibitions, the spider was briefly stored in a garage in Fresno. In late March 1959, the garage caught fire and burned to the ground, destroying everything in it except for the car that has sustained no damage. So again, these Mm -hmm. cursed objects, like, nothing gets damaged. It's insane. On September 30th, 1959, the fourth anniversary of Dean's death, the little bastard was on display at a Sacramento high school when the bolts holding the car snapped and it fell off the display stand and broke the hip of a 15-year-old boy that was examining the wreckage. At that point, I don't know if I'd want to stand that close to it. They had to have heard the stories by now. But this wasn't the end. In Oakland, California... The little bastard suddenly broke into two separate pieces while being transported and fell on the freeway, causing a serious traffic accident before the pieces could be removed. A few weeks later, a transporter carrying the car smashed through the plate glass door window and the truck's parking brakes failed. Oh, my God. In 1960, Bears had enough of these disturbing incidents. It took you that long. I think I would be done after, like, the third person got smashed. Man. So he was like, I'm done with your shit. And he had the spider loaded on a freight train to Los Angeles with the door to the boxcar sealed. Upon arrival, though, the boxcar was unsealed and the car was gone. Completely empty. Little bastard vanished and was never seen again. Over the years, many people and organizations have offered a shit ton of money for somebody to say that they have the car, but nobody's actually came forward with information until recently in 2015 on the 60th anniversary of Dean's death. A man claiming to know about where the whereabouts of Little Bastard came forward. He claimed that he saw his father and some men hide the car behind a false wall in a building in Washington when he was six years old. The man won't reveal the location of the building until he receives a portion of the reward. Which seems a little sketchy. But he allegedly passed a polygraph test. And he even volunteered some details about the car that checks out. So. But, you know, if the history of this car says anything. He should not. No. Kill it. Or just have more car insurance. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I love that. It's like, is is it more expensive to have insurance? To insure a cursed car? (laughs) I would imagine it would have to be. That is insane. (laughs) All right, all right. What what next should we do? Weird. Uh, weird. Okay. But I feel like this thing, it's like morbid, all weird. It's not really much it's true. There's yeah. Different. Sip. Die Coke. In my let's get sloth cup. Oh, I know I saw that and I appreciate it. I do. I'm glad you like it. All right, so I don't know how much this is actually weird just because I feel like all of this is weird. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but an interesting take I thought would be kind of cool is creepy cursed objects. So more focused on what is cursed versus stories of curses. All right, so I found this article that is titled 25 Creepy Cursed Objects That Actually Exist. I'm not going to read all 25, so I highly recommend we'll, we'll share the page, we'll share the link. But there's some really interesting, it's really neat stuff. It's, it's a cool article. First one is top of the list, and it's Cursed Mirror at Myrtle's Plantation. Oh, we've talked about Myrtle's Plantation. 
He did. And I'm like, oh, I got to give that. Oh, that's so cool. So just a little brief recap, you know, former plantation. Um, It's in Louisiana. It's considered one of America's most haunted places. And there are many creepy legends surrounding the property. The tale of the cursed mirror is one of probably the most famous ones. According to the legend, the former owner of the house, Sarah Woodruff, and her two daughters were poisoned by their slave and are trapped inside the mirror. Visitors of the house report seeing handprints and strange marks and even figures dressed in old-fashioned clothes lurking in the mirror. Ooh, mirrors are creepy. They like, are. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. What, I, I can't even imagine what it'd be like looking in a mirror and, like, blinking and then somebody's behind you and then you flip around and always there. I think I would just... <sighs> heart attack right then. Yeah, pretty much. Next one I'm going to read to you is the Hands Resist Him painting. Huh. Uh, so, subject of many urban legends, the Hands Resist Him is a painting created by artist Bill Stoneham. And Stoneham created the painting by transforming a real childhood photograph of himself and his friend that was taken by his parents when he was five. The painting was reported to be haunted, and several people associated with it have died. And the painting was put on eBay along with a detailed story uh, why it's haunted. And so I don't know. I don't know how people have died, but that be a fun Google. Well, that's um, a creepy ass painting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It's like a oh uh, oh my god! No. Yeah, and something's wrong with, like, the face of the little brother, little sister, whoever that is. Why are there so many hands in the background? I mean, it's I know like, hands is in the name, but, stu- ah, no. You know, it's like, hand, like zombie hands in the window. Kill it with fire. Pushed man painting. If you thought that first one was bad, this one is a... Uh, I'm ready to Google. <laughs> an anguished man painting. Okay. Ah. Um, it kind of reminds me of like one of those monsters from X Files that like sucked your fat it's out of your body or something. <laughs> you guys see that? Holy crap! Burn That's pretty bad. Oh, one of the world's most famous haunted paintings, The Anguished Man, was allegedly created by an extremely disturbed individual who mixed his own blood. In with the oil paint while painting the piece. He committed suicide immediately following its completion. And the painting is owned by Sean Robinson, who heard strange noises and saw terrifying sights as long as the painting was was hanging in his bedroom in his house in Columbia or Cumbria in England. Why is it hanging next to your bed? Why would you sleep next to this? I was about to say the same thing. That is terrifying. Like, one, why would you want this? And then, two, why would you hang this up in your bedroom? I mean, I know some people like the, like, high art weird shit in their house to, like, prove that they're smart or something, but not not in your bedroom. No. That seems like even those colors and just some screaming seems very anxiety riddled. How do you rest with something that... Ugh. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. Yeah. Next up is a cursed Mari mask, warrior mask. Oh. Um, a Mari museum in Wellington, New Zealand, tells pregnant and menstruating women to stay away from several sacred Mari artifacts, including traditional Mari warrior mask, as they could invoke a curse when in contact with women who are menstruating or expected a baby. Uh, what if you don't know you're pregnant yet or you start while you're already there? God damn, you're just <laughs> terrible. Screwed. <laughs> Mari tradition dictates that these women are taboo. And so are the artifacts, meaning that if they come too close, a curse would be invoked. So I don't know what curse that is, but it's a, it's a faux pas for sure. I mean, isn't our womb already a curse? How much worse can it's they make curse. that? Next up is Robert the Doll. This is a <gasps> no. Oh, okay, go. He's really scary. I've heard stories that just talking about him pisses them off and <laughs> makes people sick. 
Have we talked about him on the podcast? Um, not, no. Okay. There is a, I remember you mentioning Ghost or two that like, if you just talk mean to them, they do bad things. Anyways, yeah, that, so, yeah oh. there's a podcast I listened to and everybody that listened to it like was like, oh, I got sick while listening to it. And I'm like, I didn't listen to that one. So if I get sick, it's your fault. Okay, go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Robert the doll is a lifelike straw-filled doll that was once given a boy named Robert Otto by a Haitian nanny. And the doll soon became Robert's loyal companion. He even named it after himself. However, people in the house soon began noticing uh, sings of the doll's evil nature. So just little signs, I guess. The family would often hear and see paranormal things such as the boy having conversations with himself in two entirely different voices. Furniture in his room getting overturned on its own. You know, the usual. The cursed doll was then moved to the attic, but it continued to bring misfortunes upon Robert and his family, even after he grew up and got married. Why do you still have it? Oh. (laughs) That's my question. Why do you still have this? Well, you sound so handsome, Robert, the doll. So glad you had a long life with your person. Please don't haunt me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Dolls are like the number one thing that creeps my shit out. I just, I, I just can't. I'm gonna say my kids do doll. Except for you, Robert. You're super handsome. So nice. So lovely. I think you have to ask his permission to take selfies, or like weird shit happens to you too. Like. Ugh. No, thanks. It's like uh, Annabelle, too. People that, like, bang on her glass or, like, annoy her getting, like, wrecks when they leave. No. (laughs) No, thanks. Unless you're listening, then you're all wonderful and lovely, and I can't wait to meet you. Great. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do one more, and this is Love Letters Replica. This replica can be found in the Driscoll Hotel in Austin, Texas. There's a chill associated with it. a four-year-old daughter of former U.S. Senator Samantha Houston was once playing in the hotel ball down the grand staircase. Running down the stairs to catch it, she tripped and fell to her death. Oh, no. Yeah, the death of the little girl was widely attributed to the cursed painting. Hotel staff and guests reported that the painting was made has made them feeling dizzy and nauseous while others have experienced a sensation like being lifted into the air while standing in front of it. It's pretty crazy. Oh. Oh, man. I've I've been in front of that hotel. I haven't been inside yet. Well, be careful. I know. Spoiler alert. The Driscoll is going to be my discovery. But when this comes out, it have already happened. So that was my discovery. I don't know. That's fine. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So that's the last of those. There are more in this article, but you can check them out in the link. It's really cool. Uh just to see. And it's from things all over the world. Wow. Random stuff. Like a rock is cursed, apparently. <laughs> and like all- is it Audrey's rock from the Suicide Forest? Actually, no. This one is in Australia. Oh, I haven't had time to add it to the list yet. Her cursed rock that some kid probably picked up. (laughs) So funny (laughs) and awful and scary. Oh, so terrible. Don't steal things from a haunted forest. It's just like rookie move. I know. So bad. (laughs) Man, those were really good. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I like to think that I'm like level headed and, but then when it comes to stuff like this, I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Not not gonna do it. <laughs> not gonna mess that, with it. <laughs> I know. That's how I feel. I, like I don't believe in this stuff, but then it's like just in case. Just in like, case, yeah. I'll push the luck here. Yeah, yeah. Not gonna not gonna mess with it. That's why I hate like if we ever went and saw one of like the cursed objects or you know, one of the dolls, I'm sure he would antagonize it and I'd be like, Please don't hurt us. You're so handsome. <laughs> <laughs> You're so pretty. <laughs> Please don't. 
Well, from what I've seen, like it mostly just bothers him versus other people, but still. Yeah, I think there's a different doll. Is that is that the one that's in Florida? I don't know. There's one. In, is it a sailor outfit? Mm-mm. Okay, well, there's a different one. I can't remember what it is, but it's in a sailor outfit and it's in Florida. And I think it, no, Robert, our friends at Cheers from the Grave, when Erica did it for their episode, she got in a car accident the next day. And she was like, I'm so sorry. She's like, I did a shitty job talking about him because she was sick. And then she <laughs> got into a car accident immediately after. <laughs> well, luckily with this quarantine, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. Sure. Silver this linings. <laughs> oh, nothing good can come out of a haunted doll because it's definitely a demon. Because uh-huh. ghost kids and, are Annabelle, the real Annabelle doll is on that article too. Just fun fact. Yeah, that may be creepy, but I think I, I know why they probably used the doll in the movie because they thought it'd be scarier, but I don't know. The whole Raggedy Ann doll that Annabelle really is is creepier to me. I, I think they're all terrifying. Like oh. <laughs> uh, I used to have a mini Raggedy Ann doll like that, and it creeped the shit out of me. I had the Raggedy Ann and Andy that was like passed down to me. I hated those things. I think they're still in my attic. So if you're haunted, I'm sorry. Don't don't get me. But so creepy. Mm-mm. Nope, nope, nope. Although we had this rabbit. <laughs> Such a dumb story. So they called him Psycho Rabbit because my aunt was afraid of him. And he's really creepy. We'll be real. And so my grandpa would put like a butcher knife in its hand. And he would walk around being like, Psycho Rabbit, Psycho Rabbit. And like chase my aunt and stuff. So I have that rabbit. <laughs> Fun memories. Uh, my family's okay. It's fine. Totally normal. <laughs> totally normal. And if I have kids someday, I'll do the same. Psycho rabbit. It's got to have a knife, you know? Mm-hmm. Full mm-hmm. effect. Mm-hmm. Bye, people. Play, uh, play uh, psycho music. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Good times. Good times. Great. Man. Well, thank you guys for joining us for Curses Part 1. And... Join us next week for Chris's part two. Part two. Part two. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to be cool like Jeff and Ravat, then join Patreon and then you can watch us and comment and fact check us because let's be real, it's mostly fact checking <laughs> <laughs> and witty comments that are funnier than what I'm saying. So like, <laughs> I'm like, man, you guys are funny. You just get to see the big reveal of how professional we are. <laughs> Yeah, so usually, honest to God, most of the time these episodes are like two hours and I have to cut it to an hour or something. So it's like an hour extra. We've done really good today, though. This is Yeah, gonna- I'm trying to keep the chit chat. Yeah, <laughs> we've done good because we, we have a thing and we have to do it at 830. But yeah, um, so honestly, you can do this. You get our book chats, which are really cool. So if you're bored and you want like a book club kind of thing and then our history episodes. Which Zeke's getting a really big head because a lot of the compliments coming out of that are about his ending part. He's like, I'm so funny. I'm like, <laughs> don't let it go to your head. <laughs> oh, but yeah, we have a lot of other stuff. We have drunk dives. You get to pick topics the higher you get up. So just lots of cool stuff. Check that out. Patreon.com slash historical AF pod. And uh, we know everybody's struggling right now. But if you can spare a lowly $2 for extra content, it really helps us lowly indie podcasters <laughs> yeah no i'm just really excited we have so much content i see what other podcasts have and i'm like we have like three times that amount so we need more people to enjoy it i can say it's more of like i want people to see it i'm so proud of all our stuff on there and i just want people to see it and our like group is so fun oh, i just love it so much we have like the coolest people i know i don't i don't know how we've done it statistically i just don't understand how we have all the coolest people it just it baffles me i'm like i feel like you guys are way too cool for me i don't know i don't think any other podcasts are getting um fifth element references hello (laughs) (laughs) my favorite movies (laughs) i want to watch that now is it on netflix amazon something um used to be on netflix i don't know if it is anymore but i love that movie that is one of my favorites. It is so good. Really good. And then also send us listener stories for next month. And mm-hmm. 
You can join our social media, everything's historically of pod. And uh, I think that's it. Okay, bye. <laughs>